This is Navigate with ID Enang. Welcome, my dear friends, to Navigate with ID. It's such a pleasure to be here, as always, and I'm grateful to God for life. I'm grateful to God for this opportunity. I'm also grateful to God because of you. I'm grateful to God for our nation, Nigeria. I'm also grateful that we, as individuals, are living day to day and showing the very best of us in all facets of our lives. My dear friends, I hope you found this series very instructive. Um, and it's around the theme, Making Life Count. As I did say to you, we are going to take this in various dimensions. And just last week, on Thursday, when we looked at this particular theme, sub-theme, you remember I had a very good conversation about the who being more important than the what, and also letting you know that the things that you have to do in order to get things working sit around principles, that principles make everything right. And so as I promised last week that I was going to take this edition to go through the entire spectrum of what I want to share by using the good book as my reference. So my references will come from characters that you and I probably know as stories and most of us that are very inclined to reading the good book will be able to relate to it. And if not, these stories will make sense to you when I talk about cryptic clues. And by the way, this came as a measure of inspiration from an Egbo of mine and a um, mentor of mine, um, Mr. Deshino Binaike. He spoke to me or spoke to us a couple of weeks back and he kind of tapered into everything I was sharing in the course of making life count. So sit back with me as we go through it. Remember, this whole series, it's about you. It's about how do you live a legacy-filled life? How do I live a legacy-filled life? So this edition is about gleaning on some examples. And these are examples that you and I relate to. And then we can pick out some things that can easily beset us from living a legacy-filled life. Let me start by saying that you know, using the word or the topic, cryptic clues, is something that is enigmatic. I mean, cryptic, another word for, for cryptic is enigmatic. But if I sit in the space of cryptic, some of you will be wondering, what is cryptic? C-R-Y-P-T-I-C. It means having a meaning that is mysterious or obscure. It also means that when you find someone in a space of being cryptic, it also means something hidden, something secret. So imagine that in the course of life, there are some clues that have come to you by reason of grace and glory that God has deposited on your way. And some of us missed it. But these clues are the things that actually will help us become bigger and better persons. Sometimes also, when you look at the word cryptic, it means something that has mysterious, ambiguous meanings. But to you, going through it, you may not see it. So what are the other synonyms of the word cryptic? You have enigmatic. You have equivocal. You also have obscure. But it also means not clearly understandable. So I'm painting this picture so that you can obviously not say ID is taking you on a grammar run. Not a grammar run, but it's a run that will actually spike something in you so you do not take things for granted. Remember, we're talking about making life count. And in making life count, it's about having a legacy-filled life. Friends, having defined what the word cryptic means implicit by that, I want you to start by looking back at how many and so many opportunities you may have missed. Do you know why we miss them? We miss them if we do not have a straight connect of the why. If we missed those opportunities because we did not understand the place of purpose. We miss them because in some regard, some of us just dismiss things that we see or we write them off and say, you don't understand. I have been here long before you. But I'm going to start this whole series by bringing out different 
characters and then different stories from the Word of God. And that is going to be the centerpiece of today's message around enigmatic clues, implicit clues, cryptic clues. There are things that have come your way, but then you missed the opportunity because you did not know that it was a clue. Let us go with our first character. The first character here will be formed in two people. One person is David and Nabal. There were David and Nabal. And that in itself would be to paint a picture. But if you want that reference, you can go to 1 Samuel chapter 25 and verses 20 to 35. Then you get the entire story. But more importantly, let me try to paint the picture. There was a man called Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. She, the woman, was a woman of good understanding and had a beautiful appearance. But the man himself was very harsh and evil in his doing. Now, you know at the time, here was David in the wilderness with his soldiers. I mean, Nabal was sharing a sheep. Now, David sent messengers to him to say, Please, can you greet and help me with some things for my other shepherds? Your guys were here with us. Nothing was missing. So I'm asking for a favor. Let us come one day and just feast in your place. So the young man went to ask Nabal because he owned the place. And he turned around and then abused them or used the wrong words. Now the story of David and Nabal is very interesting because it speaks to how someone could have missed or David would have missed everything about his life. And what is the cryptic clue here? David. Now, rather than Nabal respond kindly to the request David's servants had made to him through their master, he turned around to speak evil of David. And David got angry and told his men to get their swords and he was going there to fight. He had about 400 people with him while 200 stayed with the supplies. But one of the young men in Nabal's house whispered to his wife. Remember I said she was a woman of understanding and was beautiful, Abigail. She turned around, went before David and bowed to the ground and begged him not to go against the husband because the husband had heard that he should forgive his trespass. And David listened to her. Now, Abigail came to meet David and then she did something very unique. She interceded or stood in the gap to beg for the husband, whose name, by the way, means foolish. Nabal means foolish. And she said it that is just like his name, there is all foolishness around him. Now, here is the place that many of us may have missed opportunity. If David had not listened to that woman called Nabal, uh, Abigail, David would have overrun Nabal with his men and would have taken over the property like they would do at the time of war. But he listened to that voice. He was able to tame his anger. What is the cryptic clue here? Where you will find that at the end of the day, David married Abigail and everything that Nabal had was with Abigail. Because after Nabal died, Nabal died of his own cause and social merriment. In the process, he was very drunk and he did not understand why he did certain things, but he died. And when he died, of course, the next of kin was Abigail. And when David married Abigail, the same place that would have been a place of blood shed what became his own. And guess what? Let anger not rob you of certain blessings and inheritance. So this is the first one for me. If making life count, you need to be able to listen to people. You need to be able to understand that sometimes there are some divine actions that are happening unknown to you. God sent Abigail to David as a clear intercessor to ask him not to do the things that will bring about roughness. Have you had situations where people are talking to you? People are saying to you, don't do this but you feel you are strong, you are mighty, I want to go ahead. If David had taken that spirit of anger, would he ultimately become the inheritor? The answer is no. Would he have become blessed? The answer is no. So I want you to ask and search yourself and pray to God 
that anger will not rob you of your many blessings and inheritance. In making life count, in living a legacy-filled life, anger can destroy. Anger can take away blessings that are meant for you. Many people go in into an interview or by reason of just on the way to that interview, then something happens. Rather than focusing on where they are going or focusing on the voices that have been sent, divine voices, divine helpers that have been sent to stop any flow or whatever, we go in our physical might. At the end of the day, we get robbed. That is the first cryptic clue that I want to put in. Remember, I'm looking at cryptic clues that help us live a legacy-filled life. And the first one I've looked at is David and Nabal. And I'll like this say, I'm going to use references and characters from the scripture so that I can really home in these stories. And some of you that are like-minded would actually understand and be able to take the gifting from there. The second example I would like to give is one that is very germane to what a lot of us are today and we see. It is between the man called Abraham and his nephew called Lot. And that you can find obviously in the book of Genesis um, and chapter 14. So look between uh, the 13th to the 22nd verse. But more importantly, I want to make you understand that it took a lot for Abraham to go capture Lot. He went to capture his own kinsman. And in capturing Lot, who happened to be his nephew, he had to go with his servants, he had to go with all his people. The capture of Lot was a cryptic clue. A man Abraham took well over 300 servants to rescue his nephew. And guess what? It was upon his return that he met with the best things that could have changed his life was at that point he met Melchizedek, the king of Salem. And he brought out bread and wine and then said to him, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. What happened to Abraham at the point where his own nephew had done so many things that he would have necessity in today's world, a lot of us are very unforgiving. But Abraham did not even think about it. So you see, he ended up capturing his nephew from the kings who had come to take him away, the king of Sodom and all of them. But I'm trying to use this example to tell you about the times you've missed opportunities simply because of unforgiveness. Many of us do not even understand that unforgiveness is so bad and ridden with all manner of things. Like I did say that you need to look back and see how many opportunities you have missed in life simply because there are certain things that did not come through at the right time. Abraham was able to identify Melchizedek, the king of Salem. And that happened just after he had come back from rescuing his brother and his goods as well as all his women and his people. But if you go back and think about what Lot had done, the fact that his own servants and Lot's servants were consistently quarreling, the fact that their home was going to be divided until they decided to part ways, if he had carried that in his mind, he would have said, after all, he chose where he wanted to go. It was his choice. Let him live with that choice. So I'm asking you today, please, do not let unforgiveness truncate your plan and purpose for your life. Let God be able to walk in you so that every little opportunity you have, like the story of Abraham and Lot, the cryptic clue there was on, on Lot through Abraham. Because if he did not go to save his nephew, there is no way he would have met with the king of Salem. And there is no way he would have been able to offer a tithe of all. And it was at that point that pronouncement was made. And when that pronouncement was made, he said to himself that as it is today, 
and it will be forever. I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth. And he said he would not take one single thing from him. But he did not even know that he was putting himself into a place of divine providence. So there is a place for you in your future. And that is also tied to the things that you do in the now. You must take away unforgiveness. Like I did in the first one, anger must leave your bosom. Unforgiveness must leave your bosom. The spirit of treachery and the spirit of I want it, I want all. Do not let that be your space, but take it on a different, absolutely different level. I'm going to take the third example now, after which I'm going to delve slightly into a different area. The third example again that I can, I can use to illustrate the essence of living a legacy-filled life by understanding the clues, the enigmatic or cryptic clues that are given to us. But many of us miss it, and so we cannot capture what is ours by way of inheritance or blessings. Many blessings are coming to us day by day in the form of people, in the form of situations. But many of us miss the boat. You know why? Because we choose to ignore those clues. And those clues ultimately are the best things that save us. Now, follow me as I give you one other example. And that example is back to David. In David, the man David. And you will see the story in First Samuel and chapter 30. The cryptic clue in this case was the Egyptian. And for the benefit of those who may not know this story, let me share with you. Its story is about David. David, you know, was a warrior. He and his men had fled to a place called Ziklag. And then they had enemies that had invaded that Ziklag. The enemies were the Amalekites who went to Ziklag and burnt it with fire. They took all of David's people, took their women, took their children from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried everybody away. And they went their way. And so by the time David and his men returned, and they saw that everywhere was burnt, imagine you going on a trip with your team, and when you come back, somebody had invaded your territory and taken all your possessions, taken your women, taken your family, members and everybody, servants, and burnt everything you had. How do you think you would feel? That's exactly how David felt. And his men were very angry. David himself was distraught. But some of the men actually were, people were thinking of stoning him. So you imagine what would have happened with this level of anguish. But one thing that David had to do was to turn around and to ask God for a direction. So by the time you go through situations in your life and you do not ask or seek God's face, you will not know where the answers lie. But David inquired of the Lord and, and said to him, to God, should I pursue these people? Should I overtake them? And he said, yes, surely. God told him to go, pursue, for he will surely overtake them and he will recover everything he wanted. And that is what David now took as a strength and the mantra. He went with 600 men yet again to pursue and to recover. But here is where the cryptic clue came. On the road, David had taken 400 men and he left 200 behind. If you notice, when Abraham was going to fight to bring back Lot, he left 200 people down with the supplies and he went with 300 men. Here is David. He went with 400 and kept 200 behind. Someday we'll talk about these guys that are left behind. Because many times, a lot of us do not know that it's important that you shield and keep your home fair, well, and just before you launch out into the deep. So David went with 400 men. And on the way, they found an Egyptian in the field. This Egyptian represents everything that you and I face in our lives. The Egyptian was in the field, and normally in cases of war, you would have seen one. You are one of those that came to my house. Imagine when you get someone, one of those who came to your house to raid your house and take your children and your wives and your the, the wives of your people. And imagine if you are in that kind of state. And then as you're going to their place, you now find one of the people 
that would have probably come to raid your home. What would you have done? Many of us would have started rushing and beating, but David did not. That Egyptian was a cryptic clue. David offered to give him bread and he ate. He gave him water and he drank. He even gave him a piece of cake and he gave him all manner of food to eat so that the guy's strength will return because he had not eaten for three days and three nights. Imagine if he had not given him all that food. He beat him and killed him. What would have happened? But David gave him all of that. And then when the guy recovered, he said, To whom? Where do you belong? And where are you from? And the young man said, I am from Egypt, but I'm a servant of an Amalekite. My boss left me behind three days ago when I fell sick. We went to invade a certain area and then we burnt your home. We burnt Ziklag with fire. So David said to him, Can you help me and take me down to where your people are? And he said, On one condition, sir. He said, What is it? Please swear to me by God that you will not kill me when I deliver you into the hands of my master. Friends, I'm going to take a pause here. How many times do you accost those that would have cost you a lot of pain? When you see them, you tell them, it's good for you. Let him suffer in it. No, it's a clue. That guy, that lady, that boy, that girl is actually a clue to your blessing. Do not despise. Don't despise. Even if they have done something to hurt you, feed them with bread. Give them water. That is what we need to make life count. Do not take law into your hands to kill or to say this man does not exist. He's done all manner of things to me. There's a place of forgiveness. Stay in this place. And that's what David did. Remember I said to you that a cryptic clue here was who? The Egyptian. And so he had to swear to him. And then the man led him to where his master was. Guess what? When they got there, they found all of them eating and drinking and partying and dancing. Of course, David and his men moved in. They moved in from the beginning until the evening of the next day. Not one single person escaped. They recovered everything. And guess what? They recovered all that the enemy had taken, the Amalekites had taken. David rescued his two wives. His men rescued all their families and their things. Nothing was lacking, either small or great. Their sons, their daughters, and the spoil was so much. And they brought everybody and everything back. But you know what happened at the end? You think about how David became a man full of good heart. Remember, he had 200 people left. And when he got back, with all the spoil that they had brought from war, he took all the flock, the herds, and everything, and he said to them, this is my spoil, but it will not be for me alone. And for those that stayed behind, that came, he stood and made sure that they shared it equally. That except if they didn't stay behind, because some of the team were saying, don't worry, they did not go with us now. Why would we share with them? No. David said, no. Because we, God has preserved us and delivered us. Oh, all of us must share the booty jointly. Now, when I talk about this, I'm saying, are there times in your life now when God has set certain people on your pathway? They have done so much wrong to you. They have done it to the extent that they almost destroyed your career, your and then the time has come for you to almost pay back when you see them. Do you pay back or you give them food and water? The same people come to you to beg you or to ask you for help. Don't turn away because that is a cryptic clue. God is about to use them to unleash blessings on you, to unleash the next stage of your life, and then you can make life count for them. It's about all about them and nothing about you. But at the end, you are the best benefactor. I'll be back shortly. Don't go away. We'll take a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue on these examples that I'm giving you. Remember, it is about making life count for others and for you through cryptic clues that are given to us. God bless. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, my dear friends. I hope you had a beautiful time you know, listening to the first half. And for 
some of you that will just be wondering, okay, what exactly is he talking about? And some of you may have just joined this program. I'm talking about making life count. Making life count for others. Making life count for yourself. But more importantly, living a legacy-filled life and what it entails. At the beginning of this program, I did say to you that I will be using the scriptures or the good book to bring out stories that will emphasize and also drive home the point of some of the things we do that really do not count for us at the end. And I said, many missed opportunities are because people are not taking note of some cryptic. Cryptic there stands for secret, enigmatic clues. There are clues we find on our way in life that some of us do not take cognizance of. The first one I talked about, the first story, was about a man called David and Nabal. How his wife, Nabal's wife, was able to stop David from getting angry and running over their, their household. The second one, and that was about anger, how anger would have robbed David of his blessings and inheritance. The second one was about Abraham and Lot, where I talked about the capture of Lot being the cryptic clue that if Abraham did not go to capture his nephew, despite all that had happened prior, there is no way he would have met with the king of Salem, Melchizedek. It was after that that Abraham received all the blessings he had. And I said, do not allow unforgiveness truncate your plan and purpose for your life. God will not allow you use your own hands to destroy yourself because of unforgiveness. Many of us are unforgiving. Begin to release forgiveness, whatever and whoever it is. The third story I shared was again about David. And this was about the great recovery after Ziklag. Ziklag was a place David had gone with his men to stay. And when they finished, or they went out, men, strange men, enemies came in the form of Amalekites. And they came in there to raid the place, took away all their possessions, their wives, their children, their, and everything, and took them away. But in going to recover all he had, David first asked God if he could. And God said, yes, go ahead. But on the way, there was a man planted, a wounded man. He was sick. He's a servant to the chief, an Egyptian. He was left behind by his master because he was sick. That servant had been there for three days. But David, rather than passing him like all of us pass people by, decided to give him bread, water, raisins, cake. He fed the man and the man's strength returned. And the man was the one that took him to where all their families were being held hostage. The rest of it is history as they were able to recover and they took all back to Ziklag. But when he got back to Ziklag, he ultimately shared, even with the ones and the people they left behind, what is the lesson there? Combination of forgiveness and the ability to be your brother's keeper. Do not be your brother's killer. When you find a man that is wounded, even if you do not know how or what, but that man or woman could be the clue to your next or big break that you have been looking for. That is how God makes life count for people when they are able to be who they should be for people in the course of their journey. The fourth story I'm going to talk about, again, is going to come from the, from the Bible. And this time, it's in the book of Second Kings. And in Second Kings and chapter 4, this is about the Shunammite woman. And the story speaks to a certain notable woman who observed that a man of God, that is Elisha, was always, you know, passing by and she would then prepare food for him to eat. And at some point she had to say to the husband, it would be nice for us to make a small room for him where we can put a bed and this man can at least rest and turn in once in a while. So it then happened that on one occasion that the man of God, that is Elijah, had turned in, he turned to his servant and said, Call me the Shunammite woman. And when she had come to him, then he said, You have been concerned about our welfare all of this while. What exactly can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? Note that Elisha was very well connected to the king and the king and the entire 
tapestry of what you call the leadership of the nation. And she said, no, I dwell among my people. So he said, what then is to be done for you? But then the servant now told her and said, told, sorry, the servant now told the man of God that actually she has no son and her husband is old. And at that point in time, when he had called her, she stood in the, in the way. And the man of God prophesied and said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And the woman, mm, it's not possible now. Do not lie to me. But at the end of the day, the woman conceived and bore a son at the appointed time. Now, where am I going? And the child grew. And when the child grew, one day, the child was sick. He was walking with his father and that child that was a product of the woman's kindness to the man of God was very sick, walking with his father. And all that happened was the man said, carry him to his mother. And the minute the child was brought to the mother, he sat on her knees and guess what? He died. That favorite son died. But you know what the woman did? She went and laid that same boy on the bed of the man of God and shut the door. Then she took a donkey and went after the man of God. She went after Elisha. And from afar, Elisha's servant saw her. And when he said, he said, ask her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, it is well. Now, when she came to the man of God at the hill, all she did was to catch him by the feet and say, listen, I did not ask for a son. I did not ask for anything. I said, don't deceive me. But now it is as if something has come on view. But then this story is quite interesting because the man of God went with her back to the house with the servant. And then all he did was to sit in, stay with the child, stretch on the child, and the rest of that is history. If you want it, I've told you where to go read the story. I'm not here to give you a blow-by-blow -blow account, but to bring out the principles in it. And when he got in there, that's the man of God, he lay on the child, he did what you will call mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation, eye-to-eye -eye resuscitation, hand-to-hand, and stretched himself on the child, and the child became warm, and life came back. Now, here's what is important that some of us may not understand. It so came up that later on, there was something that was instructive. It was about kindness. That woman was kind towards the man of God. She just perceived that this man must be a man of God. But she saw him going about his work dutifully. And little did not she know that blessings were in that package. How many times do you see people and extend kindness to them. Such that the kindness, when you access it, the people are ready to bless you and to say, for that kindness you've given to me, what can I do for you? What exactly can I do for you? Shall I mention you to the king? Shall I tell the commander of the garrison? Shall I tell the head of state that you are X, Y, Z? What can I do for you? Friends, I want you to know and to pray that God will grant you the grace so that you can show kindness to as many as he brings your way. There are so many people God brings our way, at work, at play, wherever. But many of us despise people. Many of us are not ready to share that last meal. Many of us are not ready to make our, ourselves a little bit of discomfort just to accommodate your brother or your sister. But we wear this tribal, religious and all kinds of pecuniary looks. We discard people without knowing that those are cryptic clues, that God has positioned some of them to be cryptic clues. You may be looking for a job right now, but as you're going to work, maybe you find somebody by the side of the road who has a flat tire and unable to, to change the tire, but you walk past. Why? You say, it's not my business. After all, uh, the father bought this Mercedes for her, a small girl, driving Mercedes, here I am, you feel the anguish and pain is not her fault or his fault that is driving a Mercedes. It's by inheritance or by grace. But imagine if you help such a person and when you finish, 
And the person says to you, thank you so much. And you said, it's not a bother. And that person exchanges cards with you. Like I told you the story last week of the young man I met at Tasty Fried Chicken who helped my brother and I. He helped my brother and I as we prepared eight years ago for my mother's 70th birthday. At the end, other staff of Tasty left, but he was there with us all through the night as we did all that we had to do to clean up the place for our mother's 70th birthday, which was on an environmental Saturday the following day. What happened? I just asked him, why have you extended such kindness to be with us? He said, I just found that you and your brother were alone and I just felt I could help. And at that point, I gave him my card. I asked him, what exactly can I do to help you? Why are you in this job? He said, well, he's here because he wants to go back to school for his higher national diploma. And I said, is that all? I said, okay, take this card from me. The day you get that admission, look for me. Just come to me. Friends, not long after, one day there was a knock. And that knock was a young man accessing that credit that was extended to him. The rest is history because today he's a proud graduate. But what did it take was a random act of kindness to a man he never knew could actually be the one that would turn around. Another example is a namesake of mine. I met him at Golden Tulip Hotel. He's a porter. Or he was a porter then. I met him. And what attracted me was his name tag carried my name. And I said, oh, you are my namesake. What are you doing here? Why is a young man like you lifting? He said, well, it's just his mom. He can't afford to go to school. And I said, what? What is between you and the school? He said, the tuition and the upkeep. I said, okay, what school? He now said to me, Unilag, what do you call it? I think um, there was something they do, uh, advanced education or something at University of Lagos. It was quite expensive. So I said to him, go get it. But one thing I can tell you, that it was not, it wasn't cheap steaks. That young man, after four years, graduated because I trusted God to help me see him through. Why? Because of the random act of kindness. There were other potters there who just said, this man, where they come, where they work out, everything they there, nothing. They were duty-bound to help, but this boy went over and above. He did not know who he was helping. Who is there in your life that you see on your pathway? Can you become a good Samaritan? Being a good Samaritan will make you stand taller over the Levite, over the priest, over those that will see a wounded man and not help. How many of you have missed opportunities simply because you do not see them as cryptic clues that God has planted to help you step into your blessing? I'll give you the last story. And that last story, I hope some of you will find time to go read some of these stories that I'm giving you straight from the Word of God. The next one I'm going to talk about is exactly because of the current circumstance that we live, find ourselves. And when I talk about we finding ourselves, many of us look down on servants as if servants are not human beings. Second Kings chapter 5, there's a certain man called Naaman, was a commander of an army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in all respects. He was a mighty man of valor. But he was a leper. Imagine having all of that accolade. Like I always say to everyone, there's always a but in every man. When you recognize the but in your life, then you begin to see that you are not all that who you think you are. I have my buts. I know you have your buts too. But those buts are the things, the little foxes, that can actually spoil the vine. Some of those buts are the things that destroy the opportunities that God has planted for you and can take you of. We've talked about some. Anger, unforgiveness, not extending kindness, hate. Those things need to go. Some people are just wicked. Some are terribly angry. Anger has become the depth of their bosom. Some do not know what it takes to be kind. They just want to be bad, sad. I don't care because you think you're on top. One day, the same way you got to the top is the same way you will come to the ground. And here was a man who was a commander of an army. And, hmm, and he had a bot. What was that bot? He had, he was, he was a leper. And it so happened that they had a servant, what in our parlance we call house girl, housemaid. But the housemaid 
was the one waiting on his wife. So he then said to her that if only Naaman could be with the prophet from Samaria, he would heal him of this leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his master saying, this is what this girl who has come from this land is saying. And then, of course, the king gave him a letter and sent a letter to the king of Israel because it's not easy. It's like crossing one territory to the other. Imagine if the garrison commander of Ghana wants to step into Nigeria. The king of Ghana has to write to the king of Nigeria to say, this is my chief. is coming there for treatment too, so that they won't think that we are coming to... No, that is what happened. He said, when he wrote to him, he said, now be advised that when the letter comes to you, that he has sent Naaman his servant so that he could heal him of his leprosy. And let me go straight to the things that many of us fail to understand. Naaman got there, and exactly the way it was, when Elisha, who was a man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes because he said, how can this man, is he looking at me and saying, how can this king say, they should send me a letter, I should heal his, his servant. Is he turning or is he looking for war? He said, no, don't worry. Let the man come. And when he came, he said to him, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. Naaman became furious. Anger. How can this man say I should go and wash in, in a river where people are playing with what nonsense? He became furious and he went away. And when he went away, he said to himself, there are other rivers that he can go to. Why didn't I go there? Why would I come to this place? He went away in rage. Remember, I'm, I've been talking about looking back and how you have missed opportunities. Have you missed some opportunities because of the rage and anger in you? All they ask you to do, go and meet so-so and so. Let him help you. He said, how can? That boy that was my junior in secondary school, that boy that used to serve from eat from the palm of my hand, God forbid, I will never do that. Your pride. All of those things take away the essence of your living. You don't realize it. The same thing would have happened to Naaman. All they asked him to do, just go and dip yourself seven times in the Jordan, but rage. But again, just like the first case we talked about, David and Nabal, his servants came to him and spoke to him and said, Oga, if the prophet had told you to do something, would you not have done it? How much more when he says a simple thing? Just wash and be clean. Is that so big? He now heeded the voice of his servants. Just like David heeded the voice of Abigail concerning her husband Nabal. He went and dipped himself seven times. And when he did what he was supposed to do, the rest is history. He was healed. And he went back to see that man of God, to give him a gift. <laughs> and the man of God said, I will not receive anything from you. He urged him to take it, but he refused. But the man, man of God these days, before you even get there, say you must drop Isaac offering. I don't know where they got all of that from, but me, I'm telling you the one that I know that will help you make life count. The cryptic clue was that housemaid. The cryptic clue was the Hebrew housemaid. If that lady was not there, if the mistress, Neman's wife, had not treated her well, if she had been treated with so much disdain and beating, like many of you beat your servants because you think they are not human beings, those servants that God has placed in your household are cryptic clues. Some of them know what you don't know. They know that there is a man of God somewhere that can heal you of certain diseases you are carrying. And when I say diseases, is the bot in your life. It could be anger. It could be something physical. But then, you ignore. You treat them like they are not nobodies. So this is the prayer you have to pray for yourself. And ask God that he should not allow you to look down on anyone that he brings across your way. From this day, my friends, anybody that is brought across your path, do not look down. Naaman would have easily looked down on the girl 
She's just a, a poor house girl. What does a house girl know? After all, we brought her from Kotonu. We brought her from uh, Benin. We brought her from Idiolumbe. Whatever place you brought her from. You think she's a villager? But that young girl became the catalyst. The cryptic clue that God placed in their home. The wife took care of her and she said, if only my master can go to this man of God, he will be healed. But when he got there, all of those things that are inside him fighting for dominance, anger, almost took over him. He left because they said he should do something simple. Anybody says to you, do something simple. It's not going to take away from the chieftaincy or the titleness or the titular kingdom that you carry. It speaks to the grace and the power of God for that time. And so, my friends, I hope you are able to take some lessons out of all of these. And one that I can just, you know, like those days when we used to go out with my friends, we'll say one, one for the road. I could easily give one for the road. The one for the road I can give you so that it brings it home is with the man called Joseph. Many of us do not even understand that Joseph, his imprisonment was very strategic. The cryptic clue with Joseph was really around the butler and the baker. And you can find that in Genesis 40 or 41. Joseph showed concern about those under him because God had given him a dream. But this encounter was so important with the butler and the baker. It was the last clue for the palace. And guess what? Joseph saw their countenances were low. And at that point, because he showed concern about people, Joseph was able to get himself back into the palace. He did not reduce their prison term, but it was the clue for him to be able to step in, back into the palace. You know, I want you to ask God to help you and say, God, please do not let me become self-absorbed or self-conceited. Let me be interested in the welfare of others around me. Let me show compassion. Joseph showed compassion on the butler and the baker. They were chief reports of the king. They were. But they were all there in prison. But that compassion he showed became the gateway. That concern made them open up to him and then he was able to provide a solution. Yes, they did not come back on time to him because it was part of the plan and purpose of God that when it turns 30 is when that release will come, that the man will now remember that dream. Look at it. Joseph went in when he was 28 and he needed to stay for two years. When age 30 clicked in, bam, when he became 30, God opened the clue again and told the man, remember the dream and set up the situation. Listen, all of these things are divine. They are orchestrated. That's why when I look at people run around and think that they are in charge, they don't know that they are out of charge. The one that holds the charger is there and you and I need to understand that we are just mere, mere humans. We are mere creatures of a creator. So when you listen to what I'm telling you today, I want you to listen and be visually impactful with yourself. Do not let things bypass you because they are cryptic. Cryptic means something unclear or hidden. It also means a secret. It's a coded message. And that coded message can come in the form of a human being that needs help. Can come on the form of a human being that has offended you, can come in the form of somebody saying some things to you that requires you to listen and humble yourself, can come in a place where people are ignoring you and saying all manner of things, but it is a season for you just to step back a bit and say, no, it's not about me. It's about him. It's about her. This is how we are going to build our country, Nigeria. We are going to build our country with principles, with grace upon grace, with people beginning to tear every garment of unforgiveness, with people begin to rehash their hearts and minds and let anger jump out of them. You are driving in traffic. Someone wants to make a head into you. It's just one second. Allow him go. 
is not going to make your journey better. Why would you start struggling, Mugba, 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 and the rest of it, bruh? You come down, both of you start fighting on top waiting. It's a cryptic clue. All it just means is that we need to calm down. Yes, I also saw the video. But it's important that you and I understand that the days that we are coming requires diligence. And I want to end on that note. That diligence and making life count takes diligence. We must carefully identify the little differences that make deep impact. Shortcuts are never short on the long run because there are no quick fixes, friends. Let us focus on several attributes, but one that I want to give to you today that will make you fruitful is diligence. When you are diligent to yourself, you are diligent to other things. What does diligence mean? It is defined as a persistent and relentless effort by an individual to solve a problem, to overcome difficulty, and accomplish great things. With all the COVID-19 noise and news around, I want you to understand that we are protected beyond any terror. But we must be careful. We must also be fruitful. What does diligence bring to us? In making life count, in living a legacy-filled life, drop anger, drop unforgiveness, be caring, be listening, active listening. There are four things that will come to you as advantages of diligence. Number one, diligence is a personal trait that will make you rich. Diligence is a critical attitude required of everyone and every leader. Diligence is what produces plans and ideas in people. No quick fixes. And finally, diligence is a passport to promotion, to fame and everything. If you are diligent about many things happening around you, you are observant about your terrain like David was, he was diligent about saving that Egyptian that gave him access to recovering all that had been stolen from him and made him return back with his families. My dear friends, time has come. We'll be back on Thursday by God's grace, but I hope you found this quite noteworthy. And if you do, feel free to send your feedback via the email address, contact at navigatewithid.com or follow me on all social media platforms. Handle is at I-D-Y-E-N-A-N-G. Thank you so much. And we'll be back on Thursday by His grace. God bless you.